Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie-making process. Hosted by Yo Mama. Now, let's dim the lights and start the show. Welcome, everybody, to The Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by Nino's Pizzeria. So good, though, I have to roll you out. Come get it at Nino's Pizzeria. Welcome, everybody, to The Pestle. I am Wes. And I am Todd. And this is the show where we like to grind up films and see what they're made of, see what we can learn about films and storytelling, structure, cinematography, lighting, casting, directing, all the things. And hopefully, you know, become better appreciators of film along the way. Yeah. I know watching this movie that we're doing today, The Avengers Infinity War, it made me appreciate story so much more. Oh, absolutely. God. Can, I, can I say, I, there, there's been very few Marvel films where I've walked out and, been, and they've stuck with me, mm-hmm. you know? Like, yeah, they're entertaining. You know, don't get me wrong. They're good films. They really are, yeah. you know? But like the, the, the hero or the, the superhero movie has just, you know, not been it for me. I've I've been saying to you for years, mm-hmm. give me a real superhero movie. Yeah. And I thought, man, Logan was it. You yeah. know, we've talked about Logan on the show. I can say it. I, I loved that movie. I felt like it was it was yes, that's the kind of superhero I want to. You know, like yeah. a real superhero. And this is the opposite spectrum from <laughs> Logan, and just as good, if not better. I mean, we were sitting in the theater and just. I, I, we we couldn't speak when it was over. <laughs> it was that good, and I, I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say, spoiler alert. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you haven't seen this, obviously go watch it yeah, immediately for sure, um, and then come back and listen because it's gonna get thick really fast. Yeah, it already has yeah. gotten thick. <laughs> So if you don't like, if you don't like to know what people think of the movie beforehand, yeah. oops. Uh, we were. I mean, I definitely didn't want to talk, and just sitting in there in the credits, waiting for you know the the end credit scene. Yeah, uh, I was just like chewing and chewing, and I was like, man, I wasn't even supposed to take notes tonight, but I just need to start dumping all these thoughts. Yeah, down on it, and I'll definitely circle back to that because something happened at the very end that I was like, oh that you pointed out to me that con- coincided with what I was writing uh, in my notes. And so I'm like really excited to, to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of things. We'll talk about great villains and the unexpected antagonist, the visual effects a little bit, uh, a lot about writing for an ensemble and a lot more. Awesome. Well, let's give a synopsis real fast. So the Avengers and their allies must defeat the powerful Thanos before his devastation and ruin puts an end to the universe. Directed by the Russo brothers. Screenplay by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. Is that his real name? I McFeely. <laughs> McFeely. All right. Well, kudos, Stephen. You're a good, good writer. Uh, starring Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man and a thousand other people. <laughs> Tell me his name again. Thanos. He's a plague, Tony. He invades planets. He takes what he wants. He wipes out half the population. He said Loki. The attack on New York. That's him. This is him. What's our timeline? No telling. 
He has the power in space stones. That already makes him the strongest creature in the whole universe. If he gets his hands on all six stones, Tony. He could destroy life on a scale hitherto undreamt of. Did you seriously just say hitherto undreamt of? You're seriously leaning on the cauldron of the cosmos. Is that what it is? That that's that's a good clip because that's yeah. it in its in like there's so many aspects of right. it right there in that in that little scene there. It sums it up really well, right? You have the the intensity and the the momentum, and then all of it's being undercut by kind of this self-deprecating humor that you know shines throughout the film, which is brilliant. And I definitely want to touch on that, but yeah. So I guess let's just open it right up then. What was your feeling after the final sequence? And again, spoiler warnings. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, I, I, I was. Um, there was a lot of shock and awe happening. I, I was waiting for it. I, I just kept waiting for it to be not what I thought it was. I kept waiting for you know something else to happen to bring everybody back right or or something happens to where they defeat him or, or yeah. whatever that little twist that we forgot about right right oh they can come back because whatever yeah but it i i i was dumbfounded because I wasn't, I still am kind of, you know, I, I wasn't expecting, I, I don't, I'm not a comic book guy. Same. I, I I've never read any of these. Yeah. So this is all, which, you know, it, it's a good thing mm-hmm. watching these movies. I feel like, cause it's then fresh. it's all brand yeah. new and watching, uh, I mean, so I, 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 I'm, I'm fighting saying all this stuff cause I just don't want to tell people, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't, I, I, I know we've warned you about spoilers, but I don't want to just say it out loud. Everyone dies. Everyone dies. Like, Holy like cow. they all die. And, uh, it is in the way they die is awesome. The, you know, crumbling into pieces and floating away in the wind. And they don't even really get a, a moment to understand what's happening to them. Right. They just have this, they can feel themselves falling apart and it's before they can really express themselves nine times out of 10. Yeah. It's over. Except for Dax. Yeah. Drax has Drax, his moment. Yeah. Quill. And then and Quill has his moment, but all he really gets to say is, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> Which is God, perfect. Right. Perfect. Right. But oh, Spider-Man. God. Just ripping. A kid. Falling into Iron Man's arms and saying he didn't want to die and and just going. Just so perfectly written. And those performances. So our buddy Joe House and I went to see a movie uh, before he left. And we were talking afterwards about acting. And I was talking about moments of composition and f- really framing uh, your moments well so that the camera and the audience really understands moment by moment what's happening. And he shoots back about this great acting lesson he got from a local, uh, I think it's Paula Russell. And he talks about how getting shot isn't, you don't really feel the pain. All you really experience is surprise that you just been shot. No one ever thinks, boom, I'm hit. Let's keep going. You know, it's just like, Oh my God, I've just been shot. And it's just complete, another surprise and I thought they played to the surprise of what was happening to them just flawlessly every time I mean I remember just I and I love how seemingly random it was it wasn't like they 
you know, we're sparing our favorite, you know, superheroes. Like you're watching T'Challa, Black Panther, go over to Okoye and you're thinking he's about to lose Okoye. And then he he goes. It, yeah. Th- that whole sequence. I'm sitting here like, oh, oh, not him. Yeah. Oh, not her. Not, no, 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 no. Not. He can't. No, that he can't go. And they all just go. It's. It's unbelievable. So crushing. Yes, but it's so fulfilling. It really is. At the end, when Thanos is sitting down watching the sunrise, like he said he wanted to do, being at peace because the universe is now is stable, stabilized. Mm-hmm. I, I was. It's it's the perfect, the perfect ending. If yeah, they would have really, done anything else, it would have ruined the entire movie, which is so is so crazy if you think about it. Because the entire movie, we're sitting there, and there were a couple of moments where I would look over at you, and, and I'd be like, holy shit, you know, that just happened, or wow, that was amazing, or we would laugh, or whatever, and or be really emotional when he throws, um, uh, when Thanos throws Gamora, Gamora over the edge, mm. all, all of those things, and and yet it all comes down to the very last shot. Yeah. If anything would have happened... Anything else, it would have ruined the entire movie for me. Completely agree. I mean, it's an odd thing, and and I'll get to it in a little bit. But just to be, it, it comes back to the the uh, the loaded gun theory, where you can't set this crazy expectation of, oh, if X Y Z happens, if you if if this gun goes off, something bad's going to happen. Well, you can't set this expectation up in the air. Well, I wonder what that is. You can't set up this question, this curiosity and not fulfill it. And so I found myself in this weird place watching this movie saying, Oh, is that the theory or the, what you were saying? Sorry to interrupt mm-hmm. the, where if you see a gun loaded on camera, it has to go off, has to go off. Who said that? Uh, I don't what know if it? anybody's really, okay. It. Just, uh, it's just kind of this running understanding in, in film. Oh, because that was really interesting when you said that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so having set up the stage of, we can't let Thanos get all six stones. I immediately go to, well, that's my loaded gun. Mm-hmm. Now I got to see it go off. And Marvel's done such a marvelous job (laughs) of pacing themselves. And it was funny because uh, this was the 18th movie. And God, that's insane. Yeah. The patience. And what I love about that is they use the number 17 a couple of times in the, in the film as just this kind of secret, I think, wink to the audience like yeah we know we've been at this for a while like when tony calls for a spider-man suit he he tells her to unlock suit 17a and then later in the film uh, i think i wrote it down but i don't know if i'll find it in time later in the film there's another 17 reference ah, dang it and i just love that that little hint but making that many films and having them all essentially pay off and this big culmination, it really feels like a TV show, right? We're, we're now finally at the season finale. Yeah. And I don't know what comes next. I, don't, I almost don't even care because this has been such an exhausting experience of yeah. <laughs> trying to keep up with everything. Right. And now it's like, yeah, it was 100% worth it. Totally. And it's hard. That's a hard thing to deliver on. 
How do you do that? How do you set this expectation of, yeah, we're making all these amazing and really satisfying, but ultimately to your point, I agree with you. Like these are all really good films and I've never, there's only maybe two uh, of these Marvel movies that I've walked out and said, yeah, it was just okay. Yeah. Like every other time has been like a very satisfying experience where I'm like, oh, that was really fun. But you're right. I mean, most of them, the majority are pretty familiar, uh, forgettable. You just kind of walk out and yeah. within a day or two, you know, it's gone. Obviously not this one. because <laughs> Yeah, we watched it a week ago. And yeah, yeah, it's still. I, and I wanted to go see it again last night, but <laughs> it's a two and a half hour movie. Yeah. Which normally I would complain about. Yeah. Not in this case. No. There's nothing I would have cut. No. Same. I mean, you saw it twice, though. So mm. is there... No, I mean, I was trying to think, like, is there is there a lot of fat here? And at the most, I would say, yeah, you probably could have shaved off 30 minutes by removing some of the inter-character dialogue. But you can't. I just, you, you could technically do it and still tell the story but you couldn't get the same emotional resonance out of it if you cut that stuff. I suspect that there's a longer intro scene that they're saving because they throw us in really late into that opening scene. Like whatever that story is when Thor is fighting Thanos, um, they cut throw us in so far into it that I'm like, did I miss something? Um, which is great. And I'll talk about that a little bit later too, but you know, I, I completely agree. I, there's nothing that I would want cut in order to make it a more streamlined story because it all pays off. God. So that leads me to my first thing that I wanted to talk about, which was who was the protagonist? I find this question really, really interesting because on its face, I think the, uh, the quote I found on Google, which is, or the, the definition is an, a protagonist is an advocate or champion of a particular cause or idea. And that on its own, right, is like you can make the case that Thanos is the, uh, the protagonist. But generally more, uh, I don't know, colloquially or whatever, uh, we think of the protagonist as just a good guy. This is the guy we're rooting for. And the antagonist is whoever's trying to stop them. And that's fine. That's interesting. But I think the more interesting thing is maybe it's more of a writing tool. But I tend to think and know that there's pockets of writers out there who who think of the protagonist more specifically as the person or the character who drives the plot forward like because ultimately in a, in a really good protagonist you want someone who's proactive you don't want someone who's just reacting all the time and it's going to vary story to story but that's usually just a really good way to say do i have a good story do I have someone who, who has a goal and they're doing everything in their power to achieve it? Or do I have someone who's just simply having a really crappy day and things just kind of keep happening to them? Because those are two wildly different things. And in this film, I think you can make a really strong case that Thanos is the protagonist. And I'm certainly about to try to make that case. But I also think that that was what made my ears perk up because I had my head down writing whenever you were like, oh, they said Thanos is going to be back in the in the next Avengers movie. And I just kind of perked my head up. What did you say? <laughs> <laughs> because that's something you say about the lead character. 
in a film. All these Marvel films do that with Black Panther will return. Uh, Captain America will return. It's never Bucky Rogers uh, will return, right? Yeah, right. right. <laughs> and so that just kind of made me think that's exactly what they were going for here. And so it's interesting because if you think about in terms of who's driving the story forward, you might ask yourself the question, how many times, uh, and side note again, having a protagonist is also really interesting in defining things in terms of protagonist, antagonist is a really interesting thing that kind of develops out of that is you get these anti-heroes because you can have a good guy that you're, or a bad guy that you're rooting for. And that doesn't necessarily make him, uh, one or the other, like a, a good guy or a bad guy necessarily. It just means that this is the the person that you have a vested interest in. And there's a lot of films that we could reference, but I think that would get into a little too spoilery context. But the whole idea of an anti-hero is, is always just really interesting. Just a person you don't like, but you're rooting for them. You want them to succeed. Not that Thanos is necessarily that, because I don't think anyone's actually rooting for Thanos so much as, like we were saying, we just want to see this outcome yeah. um, to this thing that he's trying to achieve. But thinking in terms of who's driving the story forward, how many times were the heroes' plans interrupted by Thanos' own plans? If you think, especially early on, the first plan that we're trying to develop is Tony. And you have Hulk, uh, Bruce Banner, who's trying to talk to Tony and like, hey, you need to get back together with Cap. Because as when we left off, and just a an extra spoiler warning, like we're going to be talking about all the Marvel movies. <laughs> it's almost impossible to discuss this movie um, without. They're just, all in it. Yeah, the, everyone's in it. So if, if that's going to bother you, certainly hit the pause button. And when we left off, right, Tony in uh, Captain America Civil War and Tony had a big falling out with uh, Captain America. So they're no longer on speaking terms. And now he's getting this moment where he's like, crap, the this is the big one, as we heard in the opening clip. And he's picking up his phone, getting ready to call him. And here comes these badass henchmen. And I love that it's just them. We don't have all these other bad guys like that. Nah, we just need two, and they're going to rock your freaking world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then even, you know, a few scenes later, we have Vision and Scarlet Witch who are going through their own plans. So like, they're contemplating running away together, and then they realize, oh, Thanos is here. Well, maybe we should return to help fight Thanos. And they're going through a litany of plans, and then they get interrupted by these two henchmen, uh, which are also badass. badass. Oh my God. <laughs> it really reminded me of Die Hard. Yeah, gosh. Because you just have so many great, iconic, and useful bad guys instead of kind of this, let's just throw, you know, a million Nazis at them. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't really matter. Right. Um, and I, I love that. I love... Um, so going back to Thanos being the protagonist or the person driving the plot... Who, and this gets into a really philosophical question that we'll end the show on, but in the meantime, was, you could make the case that he is the good guy. Yeah, I was thinking that same thing. Right? Yeah. Like, who's trying to save life here? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, whenever his his line, or maybe the, I forget if it's his second in command, but rejoice, this is salvation. Yeah. Like, you should be happy to die at the hands of children of Thanos or whatever. Like that's his whole motivation because if he's trying to save life, 
then who's, and this is where I was talking about the unexpected antagonist. In that case, that makes on one level, you could make the argument that the Avengers are the antagonists mm-hmm. and because they're trying to disrupt the plan, uh, which according to Thanos's worldview is going to keep everyone alive. And you just have to break some omelet, uh, eggs to make the omelet. But it goes into also like creating a really great villain because a great villain is the good guy of their own story. And so for him, the Avengers are the villains. And that's the way it is with life in general. That person who cut you off in traffic, uh, we've talked about this before, like you're the bad guy for not letting them in. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, and for you, like they're the bad guy for cutting line or whatever, you know. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and but Thanos, he wasn't just this two-dimensional bad guy. He talked and empathized and gave people choices to help or not. And often he would let the helpers live. It wasn't like he was just killing indiscriminately for the sake of killing. He was killing indiscriminately for the sake of not having a favorite, a prejudice, because that was his whole goal, right? It was like to just unequivocally um, and equally take life. And there's no partiality to it. But Thanos is the ultimate pragmatist. He knew love, and we could see that through Gamora and I think even Nebula. He was much harder on Nebula, but I think he still loved her. He never killed her, and he certainly had a reason to. And so I think he knew love. He understood love. It was just a much more macro view of love. And maybe Gamora was the only real personal love that he he knew in his life especially after his own planet had gotten eradicated through not doing what he had suggested yeah i mean technically you could you could say that thanos is i mean he's the balance like you know the universe has balance Mm -hmm. right it sways one way it sways another way it sways another way and tries to find that it's always constantly trying to find balance. Sometimes mm-hmm. it tilts out, sometimes it tilts the other way, but it finds that, right? Yeah. And you could say that he is that, that force, whatever that force is to mm-hmm. find balance. Um, you could say that that's, that's him, in which case that's just the universe, yeah. right? I mean, if, if we get overpopulated, stuff's going to happen that's crazy, you know, like the world's going to go to shit and or whatever and a lot of people are going to die but there's a reason for that because the world can't sustain trillions of people or however many it would be out of balance it would be out of balance so people would die until it is back in balance and that's kind of the that's the thanos yeah so is that evil i wouldn't say that's evil it sucks for a lot of people (laughs) that die but it's just what has to happen because the universe deems it so. I don't feel so good, Todd. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Don't go. But he had empathy. Yeah. I mean, he shared his perspective. It wasn't a mystery as to why he was doing what he was doing. Yeah. And he wept. Yeah. He wept in this film. That's so good, man. For someone he killed. Oh, after... After he snaps his fingers and he goes and visits Gomorra um, as a little child Gomorra, um, that scene is just so powerful because 
yeah, you get a sense once again that this wasn't an easy thing for him to do. It was just a necessary thing to do. And I love that, that line because, you know, she asked what it costs and everything. everything. And Josh Brolin, good God, man. This, to me, I would have to go back through my library or his library. I think this is my favorite Josh Brolin performance. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. You have to go back to Goonies well, or something. You, see, you can see him in it. Yeah. Like, he... he you I see had no him, doubt. Uh, yeah, you see him in Thanos the entire time, yeah. which is so funny because we've talked about other films where actors disappear, mm-hmm. and that yeah. and that's amazing. <laughs> well, in this case, he's 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 somebody totally that looks totally different, but you see him absolutely. I mean, that's just as amazing, if not more that's amazing. So good. You know? It might also be the chin, the chin, and his voice. I mean, he has a pretty. Yeah. I mean, it's not like Morgan Freeman you know, noticeable, but it's still pretty noticeable. But man, I can't imagine, I have no idea how they shot this with him in it. I can't imagine how hard it would be to maybe don makeup or just a motion capture suit and really be present and giving these incredible emotive, you know, moments off because on, you could say the same thing. I think Zoe Saldana is like, I think just one of the most undersung actresses out Mm -hmm. there right now and she's amazing too but she also gets i mean it's a pain in the ass to sit in the makeup chair for probably you know five hours but she gets all this makeup to wear and really help pull her into her character too i doubt josh roland had that same luxury but i also love that they really held back on Thanos' story up until this point. I mean, to go through 17 movies, and he's probably mentioned in, you know, at least seven or eight of them. I think you only really see him maybe one time? A couple times in, like, the Avengers movies. Yeah. And yeah, maybe, maybe even, twice. Yeah. Maybe twice. Maybe even then. There's once where you see the back of him and he turns around. Right. That's the famous one. Yeah. But then I think there's another one, too, where he, like, stands up or something at one point. Yeah. Because he's always sitting down, you know. Uh, like too, where he's like, it's time for me to take this into my own hands or yeah, something like that. Yeah, something. But that's, like, that's it. And I love that because now we have, after spending who knows how long 17 movies at two hours a pop on average that's 34 hours after sitting through 34 hours you know all of these characters yeah except now we get a brand new character to learn and get to know uh, and it really helps make everything feel fresh which is a really challenging thing to do in this kind of world uh, so i definitely would give a lot of kudos to that but i also love that he has his own hero's journey like he goes through this whole process and I don't know the hero's journey specifically well enough to go through and compare and contrast it. If someone else wants to do that, I think that would be amazing. But he, he goes through this whole process of finding his secret, you know, powers and getting these supernatural powers and sacrifice and loss and ultimately arriving uh, stronger than he ever was before and getting to the place to, of success. And it's it's all there. All that is a part of the hero's journey, as I understand it. He goes through this whole process, and that's what makes it so odd because we usually step into a superhero movie, something like this, that has very black and white lines. Mm-hmm. Here's who you hate. Here's who you love. Yeah. I mean, really, by comparison, James Cameron, as a writer-director, struggles really hard with this, and it doesn't matter which movie of his you pick. You never get uh, a, f- a great villain out of his movies. You get 
great like monsters, I guess, from time to time. But great monsters aren't the same thing as a great villain. Yeah. You can have a creature feature where you're just, man, that's an iconic thing. And uh, you don't want to be in front of that thing. But he really struggles with making you understand why his bad guys are doing whatever it is that they're doing. And here, you know, just going over what we've discussed, like you understand and you empathize even even if you don't empathize you you have a very clear understanding of his goal and and you can understand why that would be his goal uh the motivations are just very stark going a little bit uh, adjacent part of having a great villain is he's smart he's not just this dumb dumb running around stubbing his toe yeah you're you're filled with all these really valiant efforts from our good guys the the people we're rooting for but you every turn of the way you you're met with epic defeats yeah and man is that satisfying (laughs) (laughs) you my favorite might be quill ruining their plan yes it's working it's absolutely yeah, working. Don't wake him up. Don't hit him. Oh, my God, Quill, you bastard. <laughs> and it's so perfect because they could feather that thing out as long as they wanted. Oh, we can't get it off. Like, you can yeah. take as much time as you want setting that up. And ultimately, you know, you get to wake him up right as, you know, they're almost done. <laughs> you know, so I've thought about that a lot, right? Uh, there are a lot of movies that have those moments where you can choose to let that slide. Mm-hmm. You have a choice, right? Quill had a choice, you know, take out your anger on Thanos, wake him up and ruin everything. And, and half the, everybody dies. Right. Or you can just wait and then you'll, you could win. I've thought about that a lot. And, and why normally a scene like that usually just really pisses me off. Right. It's just like, dude, just wait. Yeah. They are right there. They've got it. They're screaming at you to, to just not do it. Just wait. And I still, you know, do feel like that. Like, dude, Quill, you just ruined everything. But earlier where you had Dr. Dr. Strange. Strange, he went through millions of possible outcomes in the future. And there was only one. There was only one, which is the, which was the reason why I was okay with Quill hit, hitting him and waking him up. It was the reason why I was okay with, with, with him giving the oh, Dr. Strange over, giving yeah. the, the stone to him. Cause normally I would say, what are you doing? But he, that one little statement that there is only one way that this can work makes, I mean, it's brilliant writing yeah. because then that makes everything that happens after it. Okay. You know, it's, it's, it's Okay. And it's great, too, because you also understand that you don't know what that victory is going to look like. Right. Now. Yeah, exactly. It's going <sighs> to be because you, you, it normally follows a formula. Mm-hmm. Right. But you say that and all of a sudden the formula is kind of in question because, well, I know that there there's this outcome. OK, I'm thinking there's good, there could, this could happen or that could happen or that could happen. But now none of those could happen. It could be something completely different. And it was. It like totally broke the whole way that everything was supposed to happen. Yeah. You know? So freaking good. Yeah. And what I also love about that scene too is because we're rooting for them for the Avengers. If it let's just pretend it was swapped. Let's say Quill had the glove on and was being and the enemies were there uh trying to pull it off. And then 
some one of the enemies just got mad and punched him and woke him up and he got back on his feet. That would be really unsatisfying. Yeah. Because you just your your salvation came at the hands of someone else's stupidity. Um but here it really works because the people we're rooting for cost themselves. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so it doesn't feel cheap. Right. Um, it just feels frustrating. <laughs> and it had to be Quill. It had to be Quill. Because he's a frustrating guy anyway, yeah. you know, in a lot of ways. <laughs> but they have so many of these epic defeats, you know, born out of these really valiant efforts like Wakanda trying to protect vi- uh, Vision, uh, just trying to buy him time. And none of it mattered, like whether it was the people guarding the, the gates or Scarlet trying to destroy the the infinity stone and killing vision in the process. None of it mattered because at every step of the way, Thanos had an answer to it. Um, even, even Thor getting his ax, right. Should have went for the head because that was that moment where you're like, Oh, are they going to like squeak a win out Uh like this? Uh Um, and it looked like, Oh, that actually might work. And they built it up so well that you're like, I can understand that working. It would have felt a little unsatisfying. Well, to me, it would have felt massively unsatisfying, but I think to the average audience goer, they would have been like, uh, it just felt a little weak, but that was cool. That was a good movie. Yeah, exactly. It's the ending. (laughs) It's the ending. Yeah. All about it, (laughs) but not at all. And all of their plans almost work. Yeah. They all almost just give them enough. Yeah, exactly. Um, But it's just beautifully falls short every time. So as someone who isn't a comics guy, who can, who can beat Thanos now? I think I I saw a thing where there's like 12 other beings in the universe that are like equivalent, equivalent or better or like stronger than Thanos. But there are none of them I've heard of. Well, I mean, if I'm going to take my my shot in the dark, then I would say it's going to come down to one of two things. Either the Hulk manages to get the glove and it comes to the battle between Bruce Banner and Hulk. I think he's probably the right, only one. Right, because Hulk has been absent. Yeah. Right? He hasn't been able That's to come out. That's the one Avenger that we haven't yeah. since the opening scene. Yeah. Um, he got his ass kicked and yeah. that was that, um, which was a really shocking scene for me. I'm like, oh, yeah, if you can handle the Hulk and you don't even have but one stone, yeah, bro. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I think it's either that or it's going to come down to a question of he won and going back to the hero's journey, but was it everything that he wanted? He got what he wanted. Oh, it's like, but was it what he expected? Yeah, and what happens now? Yeah, yeah, and so maybe there's regret on his part. And that opens up a, an avenue. But you do have the problem of how do you even find this guy? I mean, yeah. that's going to come down to, I think, Dr. Strange. He's probably the only person that can, like, teleport yeah. effectively. But how does, he wouldn't know because he has to be able to see where this thing is. Yeah. I don't know. I have no idea. I'm excited. <laughs> oh, yeah, I am too. I, I'm, I am very excited. When it first ended, the first thing I said to you was, I don't want another one. I just, that's perfect ending. Yeah. That is the perfect ending. And it goes back to they dug themselves, you know, somewhat of a hole before creating this movie. Just the expectation of it. Uh How do you live up to that? The ending. And then they make this movie and you're like, oh, my God, they lived up to the hype. And now you come through this movie and you're like, how do you how do you match that? Yeah. How do you one up it? Yeah. 
Well, apparently, you know, the books are good. <laughs> so they, because this happened in the books. So uh, follow the books. Fair enough. You know, and if you've read those books, stay away from me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to talk to you. Uh, it's, um, I trust the Russo brothers now implicitly, yeah. um, and the writers implicitly. I yeah. think they know, they know how to tell a story. Yeah. You know, they know how to end a movie. And I, yeah, and to your point, like they have a great model to to go after. And Kevin Feige, I never know how to pronounce his name, the producer who's been overseeing all uh he might be like the president of Marvel. That's the producer on every one of these movies. And he clearly knows what he's after and there's been very few, if any, missteps along the way. But to that end, let's talk about writing for an ensemble cast like this, because they have the perfect distribution of character and plot that to me is just yeah. study worthy for sure. Uh, because there's minimal filler, right? We don't have all these pointless bad guys dying by the dozens. Um, yeah. maybe towards the end, that's about the, that's the only time when you have all those monsters, but they literally all look the same and you understand their function. So it doesn't feel as cheap, even though it, technically is very very cheap because we have no idea how many there are yeah they can just keep pumping them in until they decide okay now they've won this battle if they had ever actually won that battle (laughs) which they did not (laughs) but they minimize all that with these great henchmen but they also do a great job of starting as late as possible into the story or the scene especially that opening scene that we talked about earlier and for me it was almost too late in the story because i was so disoriented but i think it ended up just being perfect because it was so really effective at getting us to ask questions and that's what you want especially in an opening scene like that you want to throw familiarity out the window now all those people that were unbeatable completely defeated and there's no one left that you're like oh yeah you know iron man can handle thanos no, he can't. Like, he couldn't handle Hulk in his Hulk buster. <laughs> yeah. There's no way he's going to take out the guy who just whipped Hulk's ass. And so they put all the strongest guys against them right at the beginning and let you see them that all of them together couldn't match. And so it was it was perfect. It was it throws us off balance and it really helps start to getting us to ask all these questions. Who is this guy? What does he want? What are the stakes here? And they open with killing Loki. <sighs> Like they establish right away, this is not your typical Absolutely. outcome that you're going to see. Yeah. It's filled with meaningful deaths and sacrifice. Yeah. From beginning to end, uh, Loki dies trying to kill Thanos and you know ultimately save his brother because he just couldn't stand. You know, he would rather give up the Infinity Stone than let his brother die, which. Loki this whole time has kind of kept his guessing like, where are your loyalties, sir? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And he finally answers that and it results obviously in his death. You have Heimdall in that same scene uh, played by Idris Elba who dies sending Hulk to Earth. He's like, we, they need a messenger to get a warning and it's not much of a warning, but it's something. (laughs) It's something. And then you have Gamora who's willing to sacrifice herself, right? She's, she tells Quill like, you need to kill me if he ever, if he captures me that there can be no question and quill willing to do it quill willing to do it that is yeah that's his love and he's willing to sacrifice as well that's a really good point 
And then Gamora dies. Her actual death is still a sacrifice, right, to Thanos. Mm-hmm. And it's so useful to reveal Thanos' humanity and his dedication to saving life on the grander macro scale. That's such a really great, useful storytelling mechanism because we, the audience immediately knows before the red skeleton tips his, tips the hat to, to Gamora that he's about to kill her and seeing that just play out in slow motion. That was gripping. That was really emotional and provocative. And it just keeps adding like how many more people are going to die. Yeah. Cause by that time I, I had kind of forgot about Loki. Yeah. You know, and it was a perfect timing. It was perfect timing to remind me that no one is safe. Yes. It, it, you're, Cause all this, you always think that, Oh, something's going to happen while she's falling or she's maybe she's not really dead or whatever, but, but no, they're dead. They're dead. Yeah. They're gone. You have vision who's also willing to die. Yeah. Um, and that was his first idea. It wasn't like he held that back for a plan B. Right. Yeah. That he was said, everyone else's plan B. He was like, no, I need to, yeah. I need to die to make, you know, the universe safe. And so it's just chock full of it. Also love how they grouped all the character storylines. And that's always one of the tricky things when you're doing an ensemble piece like, like this or any ensemble pieces. How do you, maybe more so in this one, because we're so intimately familiar with all these characters, that how do you make it satisfying to spend time with everybody? Because you could watch certain other ensemble superhero movies and walk away really unsatisfied. It just feels like everyone's getting busy work. Oh, yeah, we'll just go have him, you know, save a bunch of citizens uh, from certain death. And it's meaningless. But here, everyone gets a very meaningful storyline because they all represented an opportunity to stop Thanos. Tony, Spidey, Doc, Quill, Drax are all trying to protect the Time Stone and take Thanos by surprise. Like That was the whole idea, right? We can can surprise him. He won't expect us to be here. And that'll be our one opportunity. And then you have Thor, Rocket, and Groot. They're trying to get a new weapon for Thor that can help kill Thanos. And then, of course, back home, everyone's trying to protect or destroy Vision. Yeah, right. (laughs) And... It's all an opportunity to take out. Again, this is not busy work. This is all really meaningful things. And it's also a really great way to mix and match some of these characters so that we can see new dynamics begin to form. Uh, it's, it's so funny that you said that because I was just thinking the exact same thing. I feel like every single character you saw a different side of. You saw Quill angry. Yeah. You never see Quill angry. I mean, he gets like kind of annoyed, right. you know, like half the time, but you never really see him angry. You get to see that. You get to see uh, Gamora scared. You get to see the, the guy who plays Hulk. You get to see Banner, yeah. Yeah, him not be able to be Hulk and, and to be, he's like scared like the whole time. Captain America, you don't see the red, white, and blue. Mm. He has a totally different shield. It's, I mean, he's, he is Captain America. He's never yeah. going to be any different. Like he's, he's probably the most one dimensional <laughs> of, of all of them. But so what do they do? They change how he looks. They give him a beard, they give him longer hair, uh, a black outfit, you know, and black shields, but not, not the red, white, and blue. Like everybody, there's a different side. It humanizes all of them in a way that makes you root like like love them like identify with them a little bit more that's so true that's so true just getting 
to mix them into new dynamics really helps reveal all that stuff that you're talking about. And it's just brilliant story writing. Yeah. Cause like, how do you, you know, how do you, uh, how do you uh, make Thor interesting? Again? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well you take his eye, <laughs> right? You take yeah. his eye out. You let him tell you a really emotional story in a scene and you let him fail. Yeah. At things. You know, like that's how you do it. So perfect. Yeah. I also love how they maintain the personality and voices of the characters. Mm -hmm. You feel like the Guardians of the Galaxy that was written and directed by James Gunn are the same Guardians of the Galaxy that are in this movie that was written by Marcus uh, McPhee. McFeely, uh, Stephen McFeely and Christopher yeah, Marcus right, right, directed yeah. by the Russo brothers. Like it's all the same people and it. You feel it. It feels like a great, perfect continuation. And that's so hard to do. Like, and it's not even just in the writing and the performances and the dialogue, but they also maintain a lot of the style choices. You have the guardians whenever we're, we meet them here in this movie, they're introduced with the song. Mm-hmm. He's got a song jamming. Yeah. And that's very Guardians. Uh, so they do a really good job. And it finally pays off some of the uh, the plain Jane stuff that they do throughout the, the Marvel Universe with the color palettes and the lighting. And they they maintain all that. And now it all congeals in a way that's so seamless. And it pays off. I, it still frustrates the shit out of me. But at, at least there is a payoff. <laughs> yeah. But I also love how they uh, they take a breath while you know keeping all these personalities. They take a breath to develop these new relationships and to reintroduce personalities. Because as much as I watch every one of these movies, a good chunk of them multiple times, they also are. There's going to be people showing up who didn't watch Doctor Strange, and he's maybe of all of them, he's the only one that doesn't feel a whole lot like his original movie self his original movie self is much bigger narcissistic you know douchebag but here it feels like he's just matured and it still works like i didn't feel you know off put by any of it but it also helps that we're in a comic book movie and it's silly like some of the stuff that's happening there's infinity stones that can yeah whatever control people's souls or whatever and it helps to be self-deprecating because it suspends disbelief by pointing at the silly thing we forget to look at the silly thing anymore yeah you know you have that great moment where peter parker meets dr strange and introduces himself as like Oh, we haven't met yet. I'm Doctor Strange. Oh, we're using our made-up names. Then I'm Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. And he gets uh, poked by Iron Man, uh, Tony Stark. You know, hey, no more pop culture references out of you for the rest of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> done. Yeah, I love it. It's so perfect, and it kind of sets us up, you know, at ease. Uh, there's another recent Marvel film that did a great job in the title sequence of, like helping you sustain suspend disbelief deadpool which is a marvel film so i feel like we're covered (laughs) even though it's not in this universe but it's such a useful thing to be a little self-deprecating whenever you're really way out and it's a comic book movie it's supposed to be lighthearted, and it's just flawless yeah and so writing an ensemble piece combining all these elements really just pays off because you never 
feel in a rush to get back to a character yeah because they just pace it slowly and introducing characters it's not about how much screen time can we give this person it's about how can we seamlessly introduce them in a way that makes sense to the story we're still serving the story and if we service the story then there's a lot that could be forgiven yeah such as some of the visual effects <laughs> i love some a lot of the visual effects are just beautiful but there's also a lot that are leaving you wanting but you overlook it so quickly because you're invested in the story yeah the i love the the fight scene at the beginning thanos and hulk the lighting is amazing the movement between these two characters is incredible the reflections off of thanos's ar uh, metallic armor is just flawless so whenever you have the cg on cg it's great and it just works where it doesn't where it gets a little sketchy is when you have real people interacting with the cg it starts to get a little hokey like whenever you have hokey being picked up and choked by thanos it uh, it, it, it it's a little cartoony it just doesn't work quite right and that could be for a number of reasons whether it's the physicality of them interacting Maybe it's a little bit of the lighting. Maybe they just didn't get picture-perfect lighting because some things you don't discover until you're in post. You're like, crap, actually, here's the way this... Maybe it's just the scale. These guys were on a production timeline. They probably have the next 10 years planned out right now on story-wise, what's happening, which movie's coming out, when, why. So you probably get a little rush. You can't put the extra three or four passes in that you really need and without going like wildly over budget you also have the like the dwarf giant scene um, oh, i love that dinklage Dink yeah oh making him <laughs> huge oh my god brilliant he was amazing yeah but i mean it just it also didn't look very good like in terms of compositing him onto the screen it often looked you know a little off and maybe it also uh was that we know him and we're so familiar with him. We know what he's yeah, supposed to Yeah, I didn't care like. about that. I thought that was fucking amazing. Yeah, I was still I, really happy to yeah. spend some time with him. Oh, my God. He's just one of the best. <laughs> but, yeah, that's just one of those things with visual effects that on this scale with their timeline, it can be hard to do it perfectly. But by and large, it still works really well. Again, you're playing to the story, and so you never feel... Uh, cheated at yeah. any moment. Yeah. I mean, you're expecting yeah. effects. You're expecting CG. Yeah. It's just, you know, and a lot of it. Yeah, it's just part and parcel. Right. Um, but there's still these, like, beautiful, beautiful moments. Uh, to me, I think my favorite moment was after Thanos snaps his fingers and it looks like he's in just floating in space and they, like, crane the camera around to reveal he's sitting in, like, this little pond. And then he stands up and he goes to meet Gamora. That whole sequence, uh, it's just such a... I love small moments of disorientation. And that was it. I was like, wait, where is he? Is he just alone in the universe yeah, now? What happened? Yeah. yeah. And they just slowly reveal what's happening. And I, how, how cool is it that he says... It said earlier, all I have to do is snap my fingers. <sighs> and, and yeah. And then that's exactly what he does. They set it up 
you know, to, to actually be that instead of, you know, he says something or he has a staff and he hits it, like the ground or something like, no, yeah. he said, I can snap my fingers and, you know, and I'll, it'll, it'll be done. And he does it. That's so cool. Freaking perfect. Yeah. yeah. Cause they set it up twice. Uh, Gamora says it once and I want to say Thanos himself maybe says it once. I think so. I mean, I think he has to, right? Cause yeah. if she says it. It's not really as effective. Yeah, yeah and you're not, not really right. thinking about him actually snapping his fingers, but yeah. he says it. Yeah, you take it as a as a that's his plan. I'm going to snap my fingers. Thing whenever she says it, but then when he says it, you're like, oh, that's he's that's actually going to snap his freaking fingers. Yeah, and be done. And and the right when he does it, Thor has this moment where he yells, "No." I don't know why that stuck with me, but like, it's just maybe cause it cuts off in the middle. How do you cut off in the middle of no? Yeah. Like it, it you know, it's, it, it's no, th- then you're done. It's just, it's like this. No, it, it was perfect. He couldn't even get that out. It's just perfect. That's great. And it cuts away. Yeah. Yeah. They have a lot of these little moments of like, I don't know, cinematography, editing things. I think the most simple one that's, going to be my favorite for sure but the other little simple one and this is super easy but i love getting a chance to see a thought happen and you can see this in a lot of things but here you see a thought happen with cap he's sitting there and he's thinking we're slowly pushing it in on him while everyone else is talking and trying to formulate an idea and he's having an idea and you know that just because we're not cutting to anybody else talking What's important is formulating right now. And he doesn't have to do anything. He just has to look down, look up, and say, we're going to go to Wakanda um, or whatever. Like, But you just impart in the audience, oh, something's happening right now. Mm-hmm. And it's so simple. Just a dolly in. Everyone's talking. You have all this background chatter that you don't even need to record in that shot. <laughs> yeah, You can just say, give us this line now. and it's it's beautiful but it's just very basic cinematography rules of how can we emphasize something important is happening and quite often it's by what you're withdrawing from everything else and in that case it's just basic coverage Hmm. don't show it yeah (laughs) yeah yeah they do that so well man yeah so that it's basically all I got. I have one other thing that I'm, I'm saving for the very end of the episode, and it's short and it's okay. sweet. And oh, it's, you didn't put it in the in the rundown. Okay, I see. Yeah. <laughs> so, what would you give it then? This is an easy ten for me. Oh yeah, totally, hundred <laughs> percent a ten. You know, it just hits so hard. Man. Yeah, it really it stuck with me so hard that I've the last week I've just been and I haven't had the time, but I've just been trying to carve out a three hour window where I could make it back to the theater to see it again in the theater. I mean, that doesn't, there's really only been one other movie in the last year or two that I've seen twice in the theater. And uh, I mean, I don't do that like you do. Mm -hmm. Um, but this is definitely going to be one of them. I mean, if you're going to see this movie, you've got to see it in the theater, man. It is all encompassing and sit, listen, people sit in like the row two or three 
how do you, I don't understand how people can go to the theater and sit in the back. It doesn't make any sense. Like, why don't you just wait for it to come out and go watch it on your big screen in your room or in your in your living room? Because that's the same exact experience. How about you sit where the screen is actually around you? Right. Thousand. The only leeway I give is to people that have like vertigo or something. Yeah. Vision troubles. Okay. Okay. If it's going to literally give you a headache to sit that close. Yeah, sure. Fine. But most people, most people don't see it. It's a cop out. No, it is a cop out because the angle of view completely changes whenever you get that close. If you're sitting halfway or further, like you are angle of view is probably going to be like you said about the size of your big screen TV at home. Yeah. So be smart. Yeah. Show up. Unless it's at Alamo and I'm trying to go to the movie. (laughs) Right. In which case, don't sit in the third, (laughs) second row. Sit on the end. Oh. Whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. It was, yeah. Easy 10 for me. I loved every bit of it. It was fantastic. Go see it. That's awesome. Cool. Uh, Reco for the week? Yeah. uh, I am going to recommend Deadpool. I watched it again like a couple weeks ago and man, I was rolling. rolling it is so funny oh gosh it's so good so it's so good the writing is great i can't wait for the second one to come out ditto yeah i'm gonna recommend a much more obscure film it's called fish story mm-hmm. and these basic synopsis it's a foreign movie i can't remember if it's a korean film or a japanese film but the basic synopsis that i, I want to say just to hopefully get you to want to watch the movie is The movie is about how a song saves the world from a meteorite or from a a comet, an asteroid. Cool. Yeah, Yeah. that's good. That's good. Now I want to see it. So go do it. And I feel like that thematically ties in pretty well. Okay, cool. Um, Yeah. So don't forget to leave us a review, subscribe, and stay tuned for next week when we're going to do Contact which is the 1997 movie. Oh, man, I'm stoked about that. I was trying to think of, like, what's a fun movie that we'd enjoy? I I don't remember any of it. Oh, really? No, it was none of it. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah, so if you want to comment on this particular episode, you can go to thepestlepodcast.com slash the Avengers Infinity War. (laughs) (laughs) Or just find it on thepestlepodcast.com. Yeah, (laughs) just search Avengers. Nice. All right, well, what's the quote of the day then? You're going to read this. Okay, Uh, the quote of the day comes from, there's two, technically, and they're both from Harry S. Truman. This first one is from a handwritten draft of a speech when discussing dropping bombs on Japan, the atomic bombs, of course, on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Um, And the quote goes, but I couldn't, and this first one is from my handwritten draft of a speech. I don't think it ever officially was used in a speech. And it goes, but I couldn't help but think of the necessity of blotting out women, children, and more combatants. We picked a couple of cities where war work was the principal industry and dropped the bombs. And another quote, the atom bomb was no great decision. It was merely another powerful weapon in the arsenal of righteousness. What the? I have no idea. I don't, I don't know how to take that. It begs the question. Um, who's so, righteous? Who's righteous? Who was... Let's discuss a little bit of the symbolism of Thanos. Because with him, what you're having is a concentration of power. 
like if you were starting to get into totalitarianism and dictatorships and even in America we've more and more over the over the last couple of decades and really over the last 60 70 years we've consolidated more and more power to the executive branch and you can see that by uh, we don't really declare wars anymore we haven't declared wars probably since World War II yeah since this yeah. point yeah. there's the old age-old question of if you could kill Hitler to save millions of lives, mm-hmm. would you do it? Mm-hmm. But this is asking an even bigger question, which is because there you're talking about killing one person, baby Hitler. Mm-hmm. Tough question. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Baby Hitler. It just got me. It's, it was delayed onset laughter. That and it's 11 o'clock at night, 11.30. But this film is asking the bigger question is, would you kill half of all life in order to save the other half? Yeah. And the continuation of life itself. Right. Now, we don't necessarily know that Thanos is correct, and we're assuming that he isn't, that he's just, he had a really bad childhood. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But is it okay? Because if you think about World War II, this is one of the only wars that in the last hundred years that we... America is widely thought of as the good guys. This is the one war that we're proud of that we still talk about and make movies about to this day. There's no Korean War movies. Yeah. Show me those. Show me the Vietnamese Vietnam movies that are, you know, made in the last 15 years. Yeah. We don't make those movies. World War II is our good guy moment. Yeah. And we drop two bombs mm-hmm. to end it. Wow. That is wow. Yeah. So is Thanos a good guy or a bad guy? It is very much in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. And I'm not saying he's whether, a good guy if you're America. Yeah. In World War or in, uh, yeah. But you hear the way he talks about um, his, his goals, right? This mm-hmm. is uh, a very righteous undertaking. And you hear the way Truman discusses his own decisions. And it's, it just sounds so callous and the blotting out of women and children. Like, the arsenal of righteousness. Wow. It, it begs a, it's, it's just a really interesting moral perspective. Yeah. I'm not trying to weigh in on. No, I I get it. I get it. You know, like, but so maybe the, the correlation with Truman and and we're just going to say Truman instead of us Mm -hmm. with Truman and Thanos is, you know, Thanos sacrificed Gamora and wept about it and it was hard for him, but he did it anyway and he did it without thinking. Yeah. Same with Truman, right? It was probably very hard for him to send, you know, men and women off to, to sure. war, to die, mm-hmm. but he did it yeah. in a second. And it was probably hard for him to drop the bombs, but he did it in a second. So he also, and what's interesting and just to, be really devil's advocate here is what's interesting about that is Truman did it to save American lives. Mm -hmm. Thanos, to your point, like he sacrificed the one thing he loved and then he, he killed life indiscriminately Mm -hmm. good and bad alike, you know, and that, I mean, I don't want to say Thanos is a better person than Harry S. Truman, but but it's just an interesting thought. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm not saying either is better than the other one either. I just think they might be very similar. I know this. I would not want to be president 
<laughs> no. Those are the kind of decisions that I just, I wouldn't want to make. And I'm glad that if someone else had to make it, you know, I just hope that, you know, it was the right decision. Obviously, it's what's past is past, but uh, I'm glad that we're cool with Japan now. <laughs> <laughs> How the hell did that happen? Yeah, that Every time I think about it, I'm yeah. like, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> Same with Germany. Oh no, it's all it's all good. Yeah. Uh, all right. Hey, no, that. Uh, yeah, let's all be friends. Put it in fast, I yeah. guess. Uh, I don't know. So yeah, much like Infinity War, we're gonna leave you on a very sour note. Oh jeez, man. No, we gotta say, we got like a so puppy joke or something. <laughs> 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 something. I don't know, like that. Uh, uh, no, anyway, so great movie, great flick. I love this quote. It was it was really thought provoking. Thanks for bringing it in, man. Yeah. So again, make sure to to subscribe and to uh, review us on iTunes. Those reviews really are very important, and they help us keep it going. Absolutely. You know, give us your thoughts. Uh, tell us what you want to hear, um, what you want us to talk about. And next week we're going to be doing contact. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to that. So join us then. Uh, and until then, I'm Todd. I'm Wes. Go watch some movies.